Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky, here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, as we mentioned in the last episode, we do have an email. It's basically listed in essentially every episode in the description box. And it's just simply fatherandjoe at gmail.com. Not really reinventing the wheel there. And I bring that up because one of our listeners had sent an article in reference to myself knowing that I am a new father, we talk about Joey every once in a while here, and that there was some an article that she sent me that she wanted me to read and basically think about the ethical implications thereof. And this article was written um, by the Pro-Life Society. So the people who organized the March for Life down at Washington, D.C., it came from them. So I initially start that as a, as a credible source. And essentially what the article is about and what it is articulating is the way that vaccines are researched in this country. So not really this country, just by science, by biology, because it's done essentially as the world standard. And essentially the way that you would study a disease is you keep the raw disease at its peak form alive as long as possible, which means it needs to replicate and live in living cells to be able to do that. So there are a number of different ways that people have attempted to do this throughout the years. And in vaccines, this article went all the way back to smallpox and how they went doing this. So well before what you would consider modern science. So the way that scientists would keep these diseases alive would be in other animals, mice, rats, um, pigs, stuff like that. Um, there was yeast was a format for some of them. Um, and then as well as just other biological agents that they could find that they were just really throwing things at the wall and see if it would work. Uh, but after abortion became legal, they found that three of these companies um, used an aborted baby from the 70s or 80s. From Then they told the stories of, of, of said children. Um, but the thing that came away for me was it was just this one child from the late 70s, and they've been able to keep those cells alive to keep growing the culture so that they can put the disease in it. So they're not using new vax or new aborted babies to test these vaccines. It's just um, the one that happened way back before I was even alive. So it, it raises the ethical question of four vaccines that are using this as an initial base. Is this something that we should um, avoid or not avoid? Because many companies do it and, we kind of don't have a choice in the market in some capacity. Um, and this might be a conversation where we came to it like the death penalty, where my methodology is wrong in the way I'm thinking about this. But my thought process was for the children that were already aborted, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that. My entire question was in the vaccine itself, in the production, in the ongoing process does it require more abortion and if the answer is yes it requires more abortion then this is not acceptable but if the answer is no well then i'm not totally sure that that i'm morally opposed to this if we're not doing any new killings 
if at the end of the day what they're doing is keeping cells alive to test these vaccines over decades, then in one regards, I think that's a miracle of science. Um, but in the other regards, it's almost, uh, I, I don't know what to say. It almost doesn't, it seems like that there's something that's coming out of that, that, that fetus who died. So that is kind of my initial thought process. Again, it might be something that that's completely off base and against the church. Maybe I should be exactly where they're at and saying that we should be condemning this and, and against all vaccines, which are originated from it, which is a lot. So I'm, you know, obviously going through this point with my child who's going through the immunization phase and what should we be thinking about and asking. And this article was mostly for, for just to get your head starting to think, not to condemn anyone or anything like that, but just to get you to think before you went in and essentially got a shot for either you or your child in terms of a vaccine moving forward. Um. No, it's a it's a really important question, and and I will admit at the outset that uh, my answer to that is going to be slightly half baked, and we might need to follow up on that in another episode when I can actually clarify a few points. But I'll uh, I'll give you what I got, and um, which is uh, that those uh, those. Stem those fetal cell lines, uh, as you mentioned, are uh, you know from a, a single baby who was aborted in the seventies, and uh, you clarified very well that there aren't new abortions taking place and and fetal tissue being developed and used. Um, so the the ethical uh, use of that is is around normally what we. Uh, we distinguish between material um, cooperation and formal cooperation. And so uh, an example of uh, material cooperation, the, the most common example is I pay taxes. The government uses my taxes for things that I don't necessarily approve of. Uh, I haven't approved of what the government is using my taxes for by the fact of paying my taxes. So if I approved of it, so like if I gave you money to do a certain thing or you told me um, I'm going to uh, abort babies and I said, oh, let me give you some money to support your cause, that's formal cooperation. I'm formally, uh, the, the form of what I'm cooperating with is the abortion of babies. Uh, material cooperation, as I said, is uh, I'm not uh, supporting that. Uh, there are you know, there are reasons to pay taxes which don't have to do with the unethical practices of the government. Now, I can't, that, that can't be a, a sort of fake thing that I say, well, I don't want you to use my, my money. So like giving to Planned Parenthood, for example, well, I'm only giving to Planned Parenthood because uh, I support um, prenatal testing or something like that. Uh, that's even questionably ethical, but the, uh, or I, I support, uh, you know, uh, mammograms or something like that. And, uh, you know, I, well, I can't give to Planned Parenthood without really supporting the mission of Planned Parenthood. Uh, there's no reason for me to give to Planned Parenthood. When I'm paying taxes to the government, I'm paying that out of a civic duty. They have a right to ask for my taxes. I have a right to influence their buying decisions. Uh, it's harder to justify not paying taxes at all because one of the things that they use my tax money for might be morally objectionable. 
um, but that is a civic duty to giving to the government. There isn't a civic duty to giving to Planned Parenthood, for example. So I can't differentiate very well, like say, well, I only give to this part of the mission. Likewise, I don't agree with everything that Amazon does with their money, but I, I pay money for an Amazon product, a book, for example, and I'm paying for that book. So I understand that Amazon is getting profit and they may use my money for things that I don't agree with, um, but I'm not giving them money to use for that purpose. I'm buying a book. Now, I may, I may be materially cooperating with some evil. In, I, I am in those cases. Amazon is using some of my money to do things that are morally objectionable. The government is using some of my money to do things that are morally objectionable. But that's not why I'm giving them the money. There is a real reason that I'm giving it to them, which is distinct from that. Uh, so that's there would be better examples to use for material and formal cooperation, but hopefully that communicates the idea well enough. So uh, I'm not uh, I'm not formally cooperating with abortion by using these stem cell these uh, fetal cell lines. I think that's what they're called from the '70s. Yeah. Um, so, uh, because I, I, well, I didn't will the abortion. Now, if I were, if the only way to develop vaccines were by generating new fetal cell lines from new aborted babies. And I said, well, I'm not into aborting babies. I'm into vaccines, but I know that what's essential for vaccines is aborting babies. I can't make that distinction. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I may say, I don't really like the things they do with, to put together those vaccines, but if that were in fact essential to making vaccines, I can't distinguish those things. So uh, the, the very willing of vaccines, now I'm, this is all hypothetical. I, I'm suddenly afraid of being quoted out of context. Uh, you know, you can make vaccines without doing these things. So I may be morally in favor of making vaccines, morally opposed to using anything from uh, aborted babies, and I can make that distinction. I can support vaccines that don't use those. And for almost everything, uh, I think there's. I think the MMR is the only vaccine that uh, that still. I think the only that you can get them separately: measles, mumps, and rubella, with non with vaccines that weren't developed using these fetal cell lines. Um, but. Uh, Every other vaccine has an alternative that wasn't developed in this way at this point. Um, the the COVID thing we can come back to in a moment, but uh, I, I think that's the case for for all of the other childhood vaccines. So you can be selective. There may be some other exceptions, but in terms of the standard kind of MMR and polio and smallpox and some of those things, they all have non-fetal line developed versions, I believe. And uh, they're not always as available and they're not always as cheap, but um, they're there. You look like you have an objection to that. <laughs> I'm not objecting to it. What the article said, um, it gave the whole list of them. So, so there, there were, and basically this is kind of just knowing some back things that the article didn't get into. It essentially seemed that all of the older ones that were beyond the patent era have now figured out how to do it through a way that is not the um the the fetal lines um but the newer ones so there there are newer ones and the question is do you need to give your kid like the chicken pox vaccine for example um and you know that's some schools required some schools don't so i mean th this kind of is where we're getting into the, the the thoughts in my head 
So I, I first of all, I appreciate you differentiating the the difference of yeah, I went and gave this guy money, but I bought a service from him. He goes and uses the money for something that's immoral after the fact. Well, that's kind of his decision in his life. Like that's kind of how I looked at it. And it seemed to be that was the direction you were going with this was that I'm not buying the product because I want to recognize and glorify the fact that they did abortions in the seventies, but rather because I want to be able to help my child and, and by conjunction, help everyone at the school he is going to be with by eliminating the chance of polio or whatever the other ones are going around. This obviously is not my specialty. I'm not a biologist. So that was my thought process was I don't want to, that that's where to me, the big objection was, are we still needing abortions to, to make these? The answer was clearly no. The, the answer at least that was from the article that they gave. So, so the, another, another distinction, as far as I understand, and again, this is, I didn't do research on this and this isn't my expertise. This is uh, something I've kind of picked up a bit here and there and uh, I stand to be corrected, but my understanding is that there's a difference between in, in the vaccines between using the fetal lines to develop the vaccine and using the fetal lines to test the vaccine. And so what happened with the three COVID uh, vaccines, if I'm understanding it correctly, the Moderna and Pfizer, Pfizer use the fetal cell lines to test the vaccine. And in fact, fetal lines are used to test a lot of things uh, from what in terms of pharmaceuticals, as far as I understand. Um, but that's different, you know, some testing going on with the fetal lines is different than the development. Like you wouldn't have these things if you didn't use the fetal lines. And you could change the, the testing with the fetal lines has apparently become the gold standard. And so that's a, that's a whole kind of corruption in the, in the bio, uh, biological, biodevelopment community that could be changed. Uh, the standards could be changed, but the testing is not essential to the vaccine. And my vaccine that I, you know, I, uh, this is a hypothetical me, uh, you know, I could, I could protest the vaccine that I got is not used, uh, didn't use that testing. You know, they used it for some other one and I didn't approve of it. So that the, uh, the Johnson and Johnson was actually developed with the fetal lines, if I understand that correctly. And so that's why the, the U.S. bishops were morally opposed, uh, or at least issued warnings about the Johnson and Johnson. Uh, compared to the Moderna and Pfizer because of that distinction. So again, I might be muddying these categories slightly, but the developed with versus the tested with is two different kinds of cooperation. So, so that's uh, just to make all of those distinctions, but then to kind of push back on uh, the reasoning process. And we get into some space that is not uh, like it's, it's morally impossible to, pay for an abortion. Let's just make it really clear. I'm not doing the abortion. I'm not getting the abortion, but I pay for the abortion. That's that's intrinsic moral evil that's never right in any case. So that's formal cooperation with evil, and, and it's never okay, period, end of story. Some of these other things, uh, especially with material cooperation, just because it's material cooperation doesn't make it okay. I mean, uh, I, and, and a lot of people rightfully object to buying services from Amazon, for example, because they don't trust or buying services from Microsoft or, you know, uh, whatever, a variety of companies that they know are not 
you know, doing only ethical things with their profits. And, and so that's a, that's a prudential judgment that one needs to make in particular cases. I'm not required to make that, that, uh, that same decision. So um, many good, uh, good-willed people who are virtuous may make different decisions on these points. Dorothy Day refused to pay taxes, period. She refused to pay it. She said, you can put me in jail. That's fine. I'm not going to pay for a government that does these things. And she certainly has a right to do that. And, and you know, she's, uh, we're, we're raising up her cause for canonization. But uh, someone else, I mean, you know, plenty of other saints paid taxes. So the point is, when it's more material cooperation, there can be two different right answers. Uh, we, have to, we have to judge that individually, in, and we do that according to other criteria that we should pay attention to, the impact that it has, other people that are affected by our decision, the way that it can degrade our own moral character. The, there are a lot of different things that you can take into account once you decide that it's material cooperation. So um, what are some things to take into account in terms of the fetal uh, cell lines? The, the reason which he used, which I understand and appreciate, you know, the baby already died. Uh, we're not killing more babies. Uh, is it objectionable to use that baby's uh, body? Well, we don't do that with normal people. You know, the person already died. Uh, we've already been using their body for something. You know, we might as well just keep doing that. And, and they actually made decisions after uh, World War II when the Nazis did a lot of medical experimentation on human subjects in unethical ways. They made the decision to destroy all of that. And, and there was a reverence for the person in that decision, uh, which had a value. You might say, gosh, you know, they got all that good information. But the, the part of uh, discernment is how much does that degrade our moral character to start justifying things that way? Like, um, you know, so I accepted somebody else's medical experimentation data that was clearly gained in a horrific way. And I would say that getting the stel, the, the, the fetal lines of an aborted baby is also gaining it in a horrific way. We can sort of numb our sensitivities by saying, well, you know, the baby already died. Okay, moving along. And that article is trying to do something different by, by drawing your attention to the humanity of that baby and say, mm -hmm. this isn't just like another thing. This is a human being. This is your son. This is your daughter, you know, and, and really emphasizing that can we really use that in good conscience without making ourselves numb to the reality? Now, that's a judgment call. That's not an absolute moral norm, you know, and that's kind of what I'm coming back to. But I think it's important to make, you know, so the gesture after World War II was, was kind of a heroic gesture to say, we're not going to use any of it. Like, it's all, it's so horrific what they did in those concentration camps. We're not going to honor any of that stuff by using it because that's only going to reinforce the idea that, like, you know, you can get data this way. And if you do it under the table, if you, if you, you know, just extract it from a tyrannical government, if as long as somebody else does it and you don't do it, but you take the data and you use it. And, and they made a decision like, no, this isn't good. We're, we're not, we're not going to reinforce this in any positive way. Um, so that's a, that's a different, you know, it's a certain moral decision in the, in the face of those things. So, yeah, so certainly a lot of thoughts that, that came out of there. Um, so one of which being the fact that we do live in a capitalist society. We can vote with our dollar with every purchase that we make. Um, obviously, we can't control what 
the people who then buy the money from do it. And one of the things about the economy is you can go down a rabbit hole and see 22 times how far your dollar goes, um, you know, to, to the next person, the next person, the next person. Um, it's called the multiplier effect of money. It's, it's an economic theory, but nonetheless, the point is, is that, um, we really ultimately get called to what we do with ourselves, which is kind of what we're saying there, you know, three steps on the line. I have no control over who Amazon supplier is and then who that guy's supplier is and all that. Um, so I, I'm really kind of um, out of control there, but you can control it on your initial purchase. And, and, and that's a, that's about it. And then us being in the workforce, trying to turn people to the right direction as far as what we do, um, with, with, with the, the dollars that we receive in terms of profit. So that was my first thought on there. My, my second thought was, I, I totally understand what you were saying about we don't do that to people who were essentially unwilling, which is what everyone going through the Holocaust that the Germans tested on. But we do allow, like, the football players um, who died, who wanted to have their brains studied for the concussion study, clearly there, there is some something with that. And, and my question is, why don't we do more of that? Because at the end of the day, the goal is to get science to fix vaccines for adults. And just looking at the last, looking at COVID, uh, basically children are unaffected across the board, more or less. Um, and the only people who really truly got messed up by this disease were the elderly and the obese. Well, wouldn't it have been better to test the vaccine on tissue that is most closely to an elderly or an obese person. So but I know that they can test my blood. I can give them my blood willingly and they can test it. And, you know, they give it to other people in transfusions. And I'm not totally sure totally what they do with it. But they take my blood and they do good things with it. At least that's what the blood bank tells me. So my question from an ethical standpoint is, if I would have died for, from COVID at this, and would it have been wrong for science to look at my innards and see what it did to it and try to test me? Or is there just something from biological that I just flat out don't understand that makes that essentially impossible? Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what the limits and possibilities are with those uh, testing procedures. If you, you know, if there's something, the, the stem cell question, and I don't understand if this is the same uh, thing with that, but the stem cell is that you have pluripotent stem cells from fetal tissue that can differentiate themselves into any kind of human tissue. So that's not interchangeable with an adult, uh, even uh, blood stem cell or bone stem cell. So I don't know if that's what they're doing in the vaccines. I don't understand the biology well enough to say that for sure. But in terms of testing with human specimens, you know, the there's a there's a reverence for the body and uh, you know, there's a, a corporal work of mercy to bury the dead, and that's the entirety of re remains. You know, we don't like keep the ashes on the on the uh, the mantle. You know, even part of them, we we bury the whole body of the person, and that's a you know that then we're not using it for other purposes. So there's a, a reverence to the body. The body is a value in itself. It's not just a piece of meat that can be uh, kind of used for whatever after death. So there's a, that's the, that's the value of really honoring the body. Now, one can make a, a, a decision, can give one's consent 
for the, the use of organs, for example, or even for the body to be uh, examined by research. You know, the body is anyway, there's a, and there's something that's, that's uh, sort of rightfully, I don't know, offensive, uh, disturbing maybe to think about that. So to make it very personal, my mother wanted to give, my mother was very supportive of scientific research and gave her body to, to medical research. She suffered from Parkinson's and she wanted them to be able to study her, her brain and, you know, understand if they could help other people suffer less from Parkinson's. She was in favor of that. And, uh, and I admire her for making that decision. I don't like to think too much about what my mother's body went through or what would happen there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I don't have to, but uh, anyway, there's people don't necessarily uh, want to think about that for their loved ones. They want to put their loved one in a casket. They want to give their last goodbye and they want to put their loved one in the ground. And that's the Christian way. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. But um, there are cases and, you know, people do give their, their bodies to, to medical research and also to be, you know, so that surgical medical students can operate on those bodies, uh, practice and things like that. And um, human subjects are, can be an important thing for helping the next generation. So it's not intrinsically, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a moral problem. But um, anyway, there's also a reverence for the body. Those are the kind of competing goods that are there. And, uh, and, and both worth upholding. So, so much there. Um, as you said in the beginning here, we'll, we'll have to, uh, to revisit this after a, a little bit d- deeper dive here. Um, so perfect. Well, we appreciate everyone listening to our, our episode here today. And we will be with everyone again here next week.